This is Anabaptist Perspectives. What would Mark Twain have to offer to Anabaptist Perspectives? I want to welcome everybody back to another episode. I'm here with Chester Weaver. And Chester, you've been a school teacher for many years. And for this episode, we're doing something uh, maybe a bit different from what we typically do. Uh, do you want to tell our audience uh, what we'll be doing this episode? I'll be reading the war prayer. And uh, Mark Twain wrote this in 1905, but he said, this may not be published until after he was gone. Yeah, he said, um, well, okay, so Mark Twain, his real name actually being Samuel Clemens, is a very famous American author who is known for his wit and also his ability to cut through the noise and, and point to human folly and inconsistencies and says, that doesn't make sense. He would often do it in ways that were humorous, as we see in some of his books like uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and um, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. But he wasn't a Christian, as far as we know. And oftentimes his, his writings, especially later in his life, were kind of bitter as he was processing through some of these things and seeing the inconsistencies of humanity, which is what this book is here. So we wanted to do this have you do this reading of this um, short book that he wrote, because we think there's a, a really valuable lesson actually in here. Um, while Twain was not necessarily holding to Christianity, he was able to point out this thing in, in human nature that I think is worth discussing and worth thinking about. So Chester, if you're ready, um, you can go ahead and, and begin the war prayer. The uh, book has pictures to it that would actually contribute to the impact of the reading, but I'm just going to read to you the text. To Dan Beard, who dropped in to see him, Clemens read the war prayer, stating that he had read it to his daughter Jean and others who had told him he must not print it, for it would be regarded as sacrilege. Still, you're going to publish it, are you not? Clemens, pacing up and down the room in his dressing gown and slippers, shook his head. No, he said, I have told the whole truth in that, and only dead men can tell the truth in this world. It can be published after I am dead. And so it was. It was a time of great and exalting excitement. The country was up in arms. The war was on. In every breast burned the holy fire of patriotism. The drums were beating, the bands playing, the toy pistols popping, the bunched firecrackers hissing and spluttering. On every hand and far down the receding and fading spread of roofs and balconies, a fluttering wilderness of flags flashed in the sun. Daily, the young volunteers marched down the wide avenue, gay and fine in their new uniforms. The proud fathers and mothers and sisters and sweethearts cheering them with voices choked with happy emotion as they swung by. Nightly, the packed mass meetings listened, panting, 
to patriot oratory which stirred the deepest deeps of their hearts and which they interrupted at briefest intervals with cyclones of applause, the tears running down their cheeks the while. In the churches, the pastors preached devotion to flag and country and invoked the god of battles, beseeching his aid in our good cause in outpouring a fervid eloquence which moved every listener. It was indeed a glad and gracious time, and the half-dozen rash spirits that ventured to disapprove of the war and cast a doubt upon its righteousness straightway got such a stern and angry warning that for their personal safety's sake, they quickly shrank out of sight and offended no more in that way. Sunday morning came. Next day, the battalions would leave for the front. The church was filled. The volunteers were there, their young faces alight with martial dreams, visions of the stern advance, the gathering momentum, the rushing charge, the flashing sabers, the flight of the foe, the tumult, the enveloping smoke, the fierce pursuit, the surrender. Then home from the war, bronzed heroes, welcomed, adored, submerged in the golden seas of glory. With the volunteers sat their dear ones, proud, happy, and envied by the neighbors and friends who had no sons and brothers to send forth to the field of honor, there to win for the flag, or failing, die the noblest of noble deaths. The service proceeded. A war chapter from the Old Testament was read. The first prayer was said. It was followed by an organ burst that shook the building, and with one impulse the house rose with glowing eyes and beating hearts and poured out that tremendous invocation, God the all-terrible, thou who ordainest, thunder thy clarion and lightning thy sword. And then came the long prayer. None can remember the like of it for passionate pleading and moving and beautiful language. The burden of its supplication was that an ever-merciful and benignant father of us all would watch over our noble young soldiers and aid, comfort, and encourage them in their patriotic work. Bless them. Shield them in the day of battle and the hour of peril. Bear them in his mighty hand. Make them strong and confident, invincible in the bloody onset. Help them to crush the foe. Grant to them and to their flag and country imperishable honor and glory. An aged stranger entered and moved with slow and noiseless step up the main aisle. His eyes fixed upon the minister, his long body clothed in a robe that reached to his feet, his head bare, his white hair descending in a frothy cataract to his shoulders his seamy face unnaturally pale, pale even to ghastliness. With all eyes following him and wondering, he made his silent way. Without pausing, he ascended to the preacher's side and stood there, waiting. With shut lids, the preacher, unconscious of his presence, continued his moving prayer and at last finished it with the words uttered in fervent appeal, 
bless our arms. Grant us the victory, O Lord our God, Father and protector of our land and flag. The stranger touched his arm, motioned him to step aside, which the startled minister did, and took his place. During some moments, he surveyed the spellbound audience with solemn eyes in which burned an uncanny light. Then in a deep voice, he said, I come from the throne bearing a message from Almighty God. The words smote the house like a shock. If the stranger perceived it, he gave no attention. He has heard the prayer of his servant, your shepherd, and will grant it, if such shall be your desire, after I, his messenger, shall explain to you its import. That is to say, its full import. For it is like unto many of the prayers of men, in that it asks for more than he who utters it is aware of, except he pause and think. God's servant and yours has prayed his prayer. Has he paused and taken thought? Is it one prayer? No, it's two. One uttered, the other not. Both have reached the ear of him who hears all supplications, the spoken and the unspoken. Ponder this. Keep it in mind. If you would beseech a blessing upon yourself, beware. Lest without intent you invoke a curse upon a neighbor at the same time. If you pray for the blessing of rain upon your crop which needs it, by that act you are possibly praying for a curse upon some neighbor's crop which may not need rain and can be injured by it. You have heard your servant's prayer, the uttered part of it. I am commissioned of God to put into words the other part of it, that part which the pastor and also you in your hearts fervently prayed silently. And ignorantly and unthinkingly, God grant that it was so. You have heard these words. Grant us the victory, O Lord our God. That is sufficient. The whole of the uttered prayer is compact into those pregnant words. The elaborations were not necessary. When you have prayed for victory, you have prayed for many unmentioned results which follow victory, must follow it, cannot help but follow it. Upon the listening spirit of God the Father fell also the unspoken part of the prayer. He commanded me to put it into words. Listen. O Lord our Father, our young patriots, Idols of our hearts go forth to battle. Be thou near them. With them in spirit, we also go forth from the sweet peace of our beloved firesides to smite the foe. O Lord, our God, help us to tear their soldiers to bloody shreds with our shells. Help us to cover their smiling fields with the pale forms of their patriot dead. Help us to drown the thunder of the guns with the shrieks of their wounded writhing in pain. 
Help us to lay waste their humble homes with a hurricane of fire. Help us to wring the hearts of their unoffending widows with unavailing grief. Help us to turn them out roofless with their little children to wander unfriended the wastes of their desolated land in rags and hunger and thirst. Sports of the sun flames of summer and the icy winds of winter broken in spirit, worn with travail, imploring thee for the refuge of the grave and denied it. For our sakes who adore thee, Lord, blast their hopes, blight their lives, protract their bitter pilgrimage, make heavy their steps, water their way with their tears, stain the white snow with the blood of their wounded feet. We ask it in the spirit of love of him who is the source of love and who is the ever-faithful refuge and friend of all that are sore beset, and seek his aid in humble and contrite hearts. Amen. After a pause, ye have prayed it. If ye still desire it, speak. The messenger of the Most High waits. It was believed afterward that the man was a lunatic because there was no sense in what he said. For more information about Anabaptist Perspectives, to read our blog, to donate, and to see videos of the conversations you hear on this podcast, visit anabaptistperspectives.org. We'd love to hear from our audience, so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast, or send us a message through our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.